Hello and welcome to the Book by Book, a podcast about your books we've read. I'm your host Scott and I'm not alone. Toby's here too. This episode we're talking about The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay. Though the nature of talking about books, some spoilers will slip, this is actually a fairly spoiler-free episode. So if that's okay with you, continue on and I'll see you on the other side. too bad things are growing but i feel like it's a losing battle for every stunted mm, for every inch that something grows something else dies like i had sunflowers that were growing and then one of them got chomped to bits one of them got whipped to bits and the other one is kind of doing all right i think Mm. it's a a, quite a hard battle to fight disheartening at times more than it's been a joy at the moment anyway how was your day Mm. not too bad Uh, i've been reading neuromancer by william gibson neuromancer Mm -hmm. it's like we'll we'll get on to it i'll probably finish i don't know sometime soon like the birth of cyberpunk coin term the matrix like i said i had a few pints outside and like this book is at a breakneck speed I won't get to every review now, but every page there's like a new something new. I don't know what it is, and wow. they just use it and drop it and move on. And Brown page is a reason to turn to the next one. Mm. What? How do you feel about the cabin in the woods style genre? I know there's a genre. Cabin in the woods. Um, yeah. What in, in essence, like a group of people go to a cabin in the woods, isolate themselves, and then some shit goes down. Yeah, mostly used in horror, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your evil dead. I, I like the cabin in the woods. Is that the film? The Josh Whedon one. Hmm. I thought that was a really good film. I like. Uh, what? What's the other one? The Ellie Roth one. Oh, Cabin Fever. Cabin Fever. Thought mm. that was very good in its day. Oh, Trying to think if I've seen any other ones. Camp, I guess Friday the Thirteenth is one. Mm, in essence, yeah, for sure, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think it's, I think it's a good genre of. I mean, I certainly remember being in film school and doing segments in the woods. I guess it's when you're new to filming, like a lot of early filmmakers seem to do it. Mm-hmm. I think just because you can get carte blanche in the woods, you have your own space. You don't have to worry about time so much. It lends itself to terror and unexpected and shadows, what's in the shadows. It's all about what's in the shadows and things like that in woods. Mm. And don't get me wrong, I've seen a lot of crap Mm -hmm. in the woods films. Toby, have you ever heard of Paul Tremblay's The Cabin at the End of the World? I have heard of Paul Tremblay's The Cabin at the End of the World. It's been on my list of, of books to read in time i really like not necessarily the cover of the book the one you've got there but there's one that's like a cabin and then it's got some a scythe and a load of weaponry and stuff hanging Mm. off of it like um like a a moon catcher and that cover really or dream catcher even really grabbed me so i've since seen that and a few of his others i quite like the look of what he's written obviously he's he's um, revered by king and all of that sort of thing i did notice that um there's like a king blurb in all his books mm. sometimes it's the same blurb i don't know if they're being cheeky by reusing it pretty much is it's about the author rather than the book i think i read somewhere he's on he's on the board for the bram stoker book okay. 
uh, I think it's that one. Yes. He's on a board of one of the big sort mm -hmm. of horror. Um, Have you other books has he written? Uh, I don't know much. This seems to be the one that peeks out, and it's certainly one that appealed to me because other works are such as Disappearance at Devil's Rock, A Head mm -hmm. Full of Ghosts, The Little Sleep. I've only really heard of A Head Full of Ghosts. That might be short stories. I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. But it intrigues you, so take heed. This is going to be a spoiler-free review. Is it now, Scott? Yeah, it's, it's a... <laughs> <laughs> it's, so I have this, like, super cheap paperback copy, okay. and it is, like, 300 pages. 300? Mm-hmm, pretty much. Okay. It, goes, it, goes pretty, it goes pretty quick. So we get a family in a cabin in the woods. Nice. Uh, this family consists of Eric and Andrew, like a gay couple, like two, like a like a married gay couple, and their adopted daughter Wen. Okay. And she's just out in the front collecting so bugs. Two people who are the who are the Eric gay... and Andrew are the parents, Eric, right. and so Wen right. is an adopted girl. She's pretty young. I don't know if she's like four or five. Let me. Maybe. She's up and running around, and she's got her shit together. <laughs> As Between four and eight, if that's not far too loose. Okay. She's just out collecting bugs, and we get little snippets of her backstory. She worries about her lip. She's had, like, a cleft palate surgery. Right. She has very, very distant memories of the orphanage, where right. she, she was, like, collected in, or adopted in China and then brought to America from this couple. And we get these very tiny snippets of their life together. Mm -hmm. Overall, life is pretty good. She's, she's quite a, she seems quite a smart, astute young kid. Cool. And Leonard just comes out of the blue. Like this man just appears. So the parents are inside and he's just talking to her. Mm -hmm. And she knows stranger danger. Like if anyone comes up to you, go seek your daddies. But he's, he's a little odd, but quite charismatic in the way he talks to her. She does this nice thing where his age is infinite to her. But we know, he, we sort of find out he's 24. Right. So for me and you, we'd say he's still quite young, but to Wen, obviously, he's a fully grown adult. And he's, he's just, like, talking to her. I don't know, what's your favourite cartoon? We're a little creeped out, obviously. Mm. And so he helps her catch bugs. He just kind of gets to know her a little bit. She just slowly becomes unnerved. Like, they play this question-and-answer thing, where I'll ask you a simple question, you ask me a simple question. And he's Apparently. quite good at blindsiding her to get something pretty personal. Right. And she sort of parents are spending a hell of a lot of time in the house if this guy's got all this time in the world to what by the sounds of it form quite a bond with his little girl. Mm, I mean you get the sense it's 10, 15 minutes max. Okay. It's not like they're out all morning or anything. It's just it's just it's like it's playing it's playing out live as you read it. She just gets the sense that she likes this guy, but she shouldn't trust him. Like some of his answers are too like, hey, I like that cartoon too. And she's like, What are the chances this 24 hour man likes this cartoon? She sort of hears more people coming and she gets scared. And Leonard says, I need you to know that everything that is going to happen has to happen and it's not your fault. But you and your family have a very hard decision to make. And she runs into the house. And so these other people rock up and they're carrying these very strange half tool, half weapons. Like you said, described on the cover, like... They kind of look like a scythe, but they've just been fashioned differently. And they each have a slightly different one that you can't quite tell what the use is, but they're, they're odd and striking. These people, there's, there's 
two women and a man. Redmond, Leonard, who we've met, Sabrina and Adrian. So there's, there's four in total, including Leonard. Mm -hmm. The book does this thing where it, at least at the beginning, so it starts off third person, we're following a narrator. But every now and then we get these sort of chapter changes or just a character name. So the first one is when, and we're not particularly inside our heads, but when we go in the house, we'll get a chapter change to Andrew. Or, mm -hmm. or I think she refers to them as Daddy Andrew and Daddy Eric, just because they can't both be Daddy, just to differentiate. We just slightly follow this character a bit more for the next few pages, even though they're all in the same room. Yeah. It's not odd, and it, it does play out quite well, but it does feel like you could just have a line and not the character name and carry on. Yeah. And so and they bolt the door. They're like, we're not going to hurt you. We're not allowed to hurt you. No matter what happens, we're not going to hurt you. You need to let us in. And they're like, hell no. Can you leave? Why are you carrying clubs? They don't have any phones because they're in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. They talk about weapons and they have something in the car, but they can't really get to the car. The people outside are like, can you just start off by letting us in and we'll talk? I promise we won't hurt you. Eventually, like they're like, time is running out. We really need you to just listen to what we're saying. We're always cutting back to the parents who are like, hell no. Yeah, Get these yeah, sort yeah. of flashes of like a past homophobic attack from one of them. Eventually, Redmond, I think, is like, we just got to barge in. They're sort of like, no, we're not really supposed to do that. But he's like, we're running out of time. We have to. So, so they sort of scuffle and kick the door in and, and come round. And that's where Eric gets pretty concussed, one of the fathers. And the family gets basically caught out and the two parents tied down. And so here's where we get our explanation of mm -hmm. what this book is about. Hey, this is tough, but just listen first before you even think about believing. The world is going to end really soon. You as a family need to pick someone to sacrifice to save the world. If you don't, everyone else will die, but you'll live, but eventually you'll die because, you know, yeah. what are you going to do? There's going to be four stages, and you'll, you'll see for each like X amount of time that passes, you have made a decision, something's going to happen. And that's as far as I think I want to take talking about the plot of this book. Wow, that's a good setup. That's a really good setup. I'm not going to lie. Uh, that's, mm. that's not what I expected from this book at all. Mm. Although I didn't know what to expect, that's not what I expected. And the idea of a a, a group of people having the ability to save the world through sacrifice of one of the characters. Is it one of the captain? It's one of the family. They they have to sacrifice one of their own. The three family have to pick one to sacrifice. We sort of find out that these people aren't necessarily like a close group. They talk to each other quite strangely. Like how long have they known each other? And so mm. a, a massive chunk of the book, if not all of the book, is back and forth think what if they're right and what if they're wrong yeah 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 yeah. and on both sides we'll get characters not flip-flopping yes questioning exactly. what they should so of the four there will be some of them questioning like what if we are wrong yeah yeah, family. yeah and guessing each other their, their, their decisions and their their reasonings and stuff like that ah that yeah. is intriguing so how did it, how did this, when, when, when this hit in the book, how did it make you feel while as a reader? Some so moments like, like this make me go, oh, oh, Jesus. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Like I said, hold my breath. I just had a sense of dread 
I don't think it's going to necessarily matter what we believe. I yeah. think something tragic is going to happen. Yeah, a sense of dread, much like. You know, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Perfect storm." <laughs> oh, there he is, Scott. Thank you. Yeah. No. Um. Yes, a sense of dread, and that prevails over the second half of the no novel. Would you say? Actually, a little less, and not that the book the book lets up, mm. but. Actually, in a strange way, it felt like the first half of the book has a very surreal feel to it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen the film Mother. Yes. With uh, Nicole Kidman. No, not Nicole Kidman. The Hunger Kid. Games actress. Yeah. Um, uh, Darren Aronofsky. Semi-wank piece. Semi-surrealist yeah. horror. Yeah. But at least for a good chunk of the first hour... There's just this feeling of something's not, not of this world, but like something is off-putting. Off-kilter, off-kilter. Mm. Yeah. It's actually the first half of this book that carries that more. Right, okay, and that's interesting. So pretty early on, I had picked the side, is this real in the terms of, by that yeah. I mean, yeah. they are like an apocalyptic, trying to stop an apocalypse and somehow it's come down to this. Or is it not fake, but are they wrong? Is it a joke on them? Is it a twisted, you know, terrifying mm. event? I picked my side early on. Did you? Okay, I mostly nice. stuck to it, wavering in and out, going, oh, that's like, like the characters kind of had their initial thoughts. Yeah. For them to be dissuaded or, or stick to their guns. Mm -hmm. And the book does that very well. We do get these um, outside the cabin flashes. We get a few flashbacks mainly the three characters the, the, mm. the two fathers but occasionally like we do get to know the four either their connection or lack of connection mm -hmm. i mean at the end we get this incredible i guess rant stroke apology stroke attack from one of the attackers who is just not sure what the hell he or she believes in anymore and is simultaneously like apologizing and it's so sad and like, you know what I mean? And, and not yeah, sure yeah, 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 what yeah. the hell the right path is. Because there are events that would say, yep, this, this is what they said. This is yeah. like a sign that the apocalypse is happening. There are sort of stages. And every time they don't make that sacrifice, something kind of happens. Mm. But from the dad's point of view, they can sort of argue like, well, that could be coincidence. It could be X, mm -hmm. and they do have a good point. Mm. Towards the book, somewhere along the line, we slip into first person. It's pretty natural, and it's actually not remotely jarring as you might expect. Yeah. I, I guess that's also playing on why we get these character names at the beginning when we don't necessarily need it. Actually, looking at the back of Paul Tremblay's other works, nothing particularly spikes out as yes i want to read that but i feel like every time he has a new book out i will check out to see if it's something i will dig like he, mm -hmm. he certainly has in this book anyway like a style and a speed and a, a, a velocity that just keeps me engaged like we are we are 90 percent in the cabin no, that's cool. for the viewers because i don't know what editing continuity is going to do we we recorded cujo yesterday mm. And not one of my flaws, but something that jarred me out of the action a bit was that we were in the car and then we were across the world here and then we were across the yeah. world there. And I think, as you said, sometimes it's so tension, high tension, you need a breather. 
Yes. And that's kind of, I think, what these flashbacks work at as well. Yeah, yeah. My only other thoughts, so I have no idea of Paul Tremblay's uh, sexuality. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking there could be a couple reasons, particularly why, outside of he just wanted to write a, a rounded gay family without having any sort of camp cliches or what have you, because they, they yes. both come off as pretty rounded. You know what I mean? Like no, nothing plays into them. Like there's there's some history they have, which does play into the book. Yeah. But for me, I feel like a key thing would be how many times have we seen in a movie or a book where a 2.1 family has to make a sacrifice? And I think we kind of know if it comes down to it, it's going to be the dad, right? There are just ideas of masculinity and heroics, yeah, 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 yeah. I suppose, that come down to the alpha male of the family, what have you. Yeah, so does it become, is, 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 yeah, is the fact that he's written it as a gay family to elevate that final decision, which is usually taken by the male in a masculine, heroic way. By putting two people in, you doubled. Right. Team. Yeah, I, I really read this book. I read it in a day, two days or so. Like, I, okay. I did, it, did it surprise you? Yes. Um, I want to talk about like a, a middle book key event because it's so stunning. There are there are surprises to be had. There is there is violence in this book. Okay. The, despite the four saying like we cannot hurt you, we're not going to hurt you. Nonetheless, there's violence. Seven, seven characters and with a timer. There mm -hmm. is there is blood and violence. I mean, I can certainly why see why King digs it. It's mm -hmm. very sort of up his alley. Okay, well I'm definitely going to read it now. You've you've sold it to me. Let's put it that way. Oh wow, that is that is bet you well. Yeah, like I say, you've intrigued me enough to go and now mm. jump on Amazon and find a cheap copy of it. <laughs> Get it I mean, sent to me. It's certainly the perfect beach read with with like minimal characters, no real change in location. Mm. Something you can just, you know, I think over the last few months I've been sort of dual reading a bunch of books. Like this is something you could just put down and pick up and and remember where you are. Right. But I think it's something you won't want to stop reading. It's once you start, it's whew, like you, you kind of take a breath in and you're like, okay, just for the ease, I'll finish this before I breathe out. Yeah, okay, very wicked. I guess you can tell I'm highly rating this one. Yeah, yeah, very much so. <laughs> just a nice, unexpected horror. Yeah, I do wish I had the ability to read a book like that in two days. I think I've mentioned maybe before in previous previous casts, but um, the only book that I've ever managed to read in a day was The Road. And that's because I sat there for nine hours and did nothing else mm. but read. So I guess it is possible, but yeah. I, I would take issue, because you often say your problem is you're a slow reader. Mm. I'm, I don't actually buy that you are. I just think you don't read often. I would say me and you probably read at the same speed. But uh, I felt like I read a lot. Like my natural. Well, you did have that race on the train that day where you read a page from Christine and I read a page from whatever book I was reading and you cleared, you won by some distance. That's <laughs> true. But I think because we were racing, I was sort of speed reading. I don't think I naturally read. You, you've, got, you, you've got the ability to speed read, right? I've just got the ability to go and the boat. But I read, I mean, outside of work being extremely busy, I read like every day. 
Yeah, that's a, that is a massive difference. I don't do that. I, I can't remember the last time I picked up a book and read it. Mm. It's been a while, and I need to do. I need to do more of it. More of it. It would boost us, you know, the fact we're doing a book podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I think we've discovered that when you're not feeling it, you're just not feeling it. Because mm. I think I, I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know why. I've, I've, I guess it's all, it will surely come round again. Like like both of us, if we have waves of reading and then not reading and then reading and then not reading only mm. my my wave is generally longer and then i'll i'll suddenly hit a, a groove and just go 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 but this cabin at the end of the world does sound rather bloody intriguing this is definitely one like i've been reading this like just just out on the grass mm. in the sun like it's it's like i said it's sort of a perfect beach read like you just burrow your head in and like it's depending on your copy. Like I said, I nowadays I just buy like the cheapest paperback I can, which yeah. often translate less words per page. Yeah, I think there's a moment. There's this strange momentum of just getting more pages in per hour, or what have you, which just mm-hmm. can kind of give you an oomph to read. You know, oh wow, look how much I've read in like one hour. I can mm-hmm. I can read half the book if I keep going to noon or, or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Wicked. I picked up a copy of the children of dune the third in the dune trilogy just in like a second-hand store like it's a really old about a 60s copy i don't know but i went to look at it recently and the text is just tiny <laughs> blurry and i think i'm just putting it on my to get rid of list it's kind of a big book it's five six hundred pages maybe yeah and i don't want to physically stick my nose in this wrap it up around there i want to thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed join us again next episode and until then support your local bookstores and have a great day